Hello, welcome back to The Dark Side. I'm your host, Brianna, and Steph is here for this episode. Hello, I'm back. You're back, finally. Excited. Making the people wait. I know, it's been, what, seven episodes? Um, Six yeah. episodes? We're on episode eight, so. Yep. <laughs> One or two. <laughs> it's been two months. Math. <laughs> <laughs> so, why don't you tell the people what case we're going to talk about today? We're doing... The case of Jody Arias and Travis Alexander. Bum, bum, bum. Yes. That is what we settled upon. <laughs> uh, on this podcast where I don't really do any of like the big name ones, but this one is fascinating. And like we were talking about before, we wanted to be able to do a case where you have their birth charts available. Good charts so that you can actually talk about it in detail. Bring it back to the case. That was a huge part of it because what's so cool about this one is you don't only have their time of birth for not only the murderer and the murder victim, but of like the actual time of death. Exactly. So, and it's just confirmed. Mm -hmm. You know that that's the time of death or at least the time of an incident. It's something to look at, which I love being able to look at the times and get a cool picture. Exactly. Before we get into anything, just want to make super clear, of course, like if you ever have a sign in a certain, you know, I have moon in Capricorn, I have moon in Gemini, or you, you know, have sun in Cancer, anything. It doesn't mean if you have the same placements as the people we talk about today in any way that, you know, I'm not saying that it applies to every placement. Every planet in a sign, in a house, um, as complex as astrology gets, it's so specific. It has its own meaning. Um, and you break down every planet in a positive way, a negative way. There's so many possibilities. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you could have yeah. like a shared aspect placement, whatever, but it needs the whole chart to yeah. work. So, even if you share a similar placement, it's not targeted I'm at sure everyone. people know it's all good, but just to put it out there, don't take it personally. Don't take it super seriously. It's just cool to look at things in different lights and, you know, look at, look at this in that way and pick it apart. Exactly. So uh, I think that we should just dive right in. All right. Are you ready for me to set the scene like the good old days? Yes. Let's get into it. Wearing fake geeky glasses and douchey fedoras is trending. (laughs) Small waistcoats and enormous waist cinching belts are plentiful. People are wrestling over manic panic. Screaming teens are fangirling over Edward Cullen iPod yes. nanos everywhere playing low by Flo Rida. <laughs> and it's a time when people cared about Soldier Boy. That was the thing. <laughs> oh my God. The year is 2008. And on June 9th, Travis Alexander's friends called 911 when they hadn't heard from him in days. What's going on? Um, our friend of ours is dead in his bedroom. We, we hadn't heard from him for a while. We think he's dead. His roommate just went in there and, and said there's lots of blood. I didn't go in, but I, I can give you the phone to someone who went in there. Can, yes, please, can you? Hello. Hi, so what's going on? He's, uh, he, he's dead. He's in his bedroom okay. in, in the shower. Okay, how did this happen? Do you have any idea? No, we have no idea. Everyone's been wondering about him okay. for well, a few said, days. She said that there was blood. So is it coming from his head? Did he cut no, his head? No, it, it, it's all over the place. Is there any weapons around? I No, I don't know. I Not that I saw. How many people are in the house? 
There are how, how many of us how many are in the house right now? Just the five of us? Five of us. Okay. I need all of you outside. Okay. You're a good friend of, of Travis's, correct? Yes, I am. Okay. Yeah. Has he been depressed at all? Thinking about yeah. committing suicide, anything like that? I I don't think he's been thinking committing suicide. He's been really depressed because he uh broke up with this girl and he was all upset about that. But I, I don't think he would actually kill himself over that. Has he been threatened by anyone recently? Yes, he has. Okay. He has a he has an ex girlfriend that's been bothering him and and um following him and slashing tires and things like that. And do you know the ex girlfriend's name? Um um do you remember yeah. What's what's his ex girlfriend's name? Ask Taylor. And do you know if he's ever reported it to the police? Um, her his her name is Jody. Um, I don't know if he's ever reported hold on. Yeah. Ask her if he's ever reported Jody to the police, like if Travis did. No, he hasn't reported anything about Jody's behavior. The roommate. When was the last time he saw Travis? Was it three days ago? Um, Zach. Uh, do you guys, when was the last time you saw Zach? Like, I mean, Travis. They want to know if that's from the roommate. Last time I saw him was, what, last Thursday or Friday? The last time I've ever seen him was last Thursday. When was that Mimi saw him last Tuesday, or, or last Monday. She talked to him last Monday. Okay. And everyone is out of the house. There's no one else in the house. No, no one's in the house. Okay. okay. And what is your name? My name is Michelle. Um, I, I need to ask a friend something here. I'm giving the phone to me. Okay. Um, Taylor. Hi. Hi. She's... Okay, and this is, okay, the tub is in his bedroom? Yeah, and I guess, um, I didn't go in, but from what I heard, his roommate went in, there's blood in his bedroom, mm -hmm. behind the door, uh, and probably, and then he said it's all over, and then they went in the bathroom and he's in his shower. Okay, so and the, his, his, um, his bedroom is where in the house? It's upstairs. Um, and if you go up the stairs, it's on the left. It's the first door on your left. It's the only door on your left. Okay. And um, and it's just a big master suite bedroom up there. And um, he's talking to his friend right now. Um, there's a girl that's been stalking him and and things, mm -hmm. and she's trying and he's trying to. Uh, you might know some information. I hope my phone doesn't die. I'm on like one bar of battery. Okay. Well, I'm I'm just gonna keep you on the phone until officers arrive. Either officers or paramedics arrive. Okay. Okay. I think I can hear the siren mm -hmm. now. That was such a 2000s thing. My phone's on one <laughs> bar of battery. I hope it doesn't I know. die. <laughs> I know that was kind of long, but I wanted to play it because y you'll see. I wanted to play the whole thing. Context. Mm -hmm. Context is important. So one of the women on the call was a friend of Travis's named Mimi, and she was supposed to go on a trip with him the following day. She hadn't heard from Travis in days, so she called mutual friends to join her in checking in on him. When they got to his Mesa, Mesa, when they got to his Mesa, Arizona home, his roommate said Travis hadn't been home for days, so he just assumed that he had left for that trip early. Plus, he was always traveling. The roommate... And one of the friends found a key to Travis's master bedroom suite, and when they entered, they saw blood everywhere and noticed a terrible smell. 
the blood led down a hallway to the bathroom, and that's when they discovered Travis's naked body in the shower. So the operator asks questions about if Travis was suicidal and possibly cut his wrists, but the medical examiner later determined that Travis was first stabbed in the heart, then shot in the head, then stabbed almost 30 times. His jugular vein, common carotid artery, and trachea had been slashed, and he had defensive wounds all over his hands. So, obviously, Travis's death was ruled a homicide. And you may have noticed on the call that both Michelle and Mimi mention a possible suspect, his ex-girlfriend Jody, who had been threatening him and slashed his tires. It's a lot to unpack there. Yes, and that's why I wanted to play the call in its entirety, because you can hear both of those uh, women, his friends, mention her. So, it's important to know. So let's get to know Travis and Jody. So Travis Victor Alexander was born on July 28, 1977 in Riverside, California to Gary and Pamela Alexander. And he apparently had seven siblings. It's a lot of siblings. A lot of siblings. Right off the bat with his birth chart. He's a Leo, mm-hmm. first of all, but he has something in his chart. He has Venus conjunct Jupiter um, in Gemini. But Venus conjunct Jupiter is an aspect um, known for people who have a lot of siblings. Because um, does he have sisters? I honestly don't know. I wonder. I bet. If there's seven, there's no they way must, they're all I wonder if boys. a lot of them are girls. But Venus um, is sisters specifically. Oh, yeah. And... Um, Jupiter is your family, your big family. So I'm, I'm just, I'm curious. That's wild. Yeah. Well, maybe after we'll do some more digging and see how many, if it's sisters, brothers, what the ratio yeah. is. But lots of siblings there with that aspect. That's, that's so weird. I wonder if they all have something similar to that then. Would they all have something in their chart that shows they all have a lot of siblings? It could have affected him more, like if he were older. I think he was older. So he might have had more responsibility and it will show in everyone's chart differently just depending on how their upbringing really affected them but his was in the second house um so it looks financial like there was financial strife um that's a crowded house so it looks like there's a lot of siblings not a lot of money to go around Mm. and he would have had to work really hard for what he had i don't know if he ever had to work for his family stuff like that but sometimes if you are older you end up in those positions well listen to this Both of his parents were drug addicts. His father was never around and his mother couldn't keep a job because of her addiction. Mm -hmm. So family, the family having money troubles. Huge. Yep. At about 10 or 11 years old, he ran away from home and moved in with his paternal grandparents. And his grandmother was particularly very important in his life. Mm. His grandparents were part of the Church of Jesus Christ and the Latter-day Saints. Wow. So Travis joined as well. And Travis claimed joining the church saved him because it afforded him a community of people who guided him. And it kind of gave him that like consistency of support, which was something he always appreciated since he didn't really have that growing up with his parents. It was a home away from home, another family. That's so interesting. Mm -hmm. So Travis, again, being a Leo son, uh, when he was born, let's just put the date out there. I don't know if we mentioned it. Yep, we did. July 28, 1977. Perfect. Leo's son, he has moon in Capricorn. 
but they form this aspect called a quincux or an inconjunct, but it's known to create really unique energy. Mm. Um, it's the type of thing that if it's good, it's really good and creative and, and beautiful, but if it's bad, it's really bad. Okay. <laughs> Can't make it work. And when you have a sun and moon, um, it can manifest in a lot of ways, but the fact that he had parents who had so much struggle and the sun represents your father um, and the moon represents your mother. And there's such a harsh aspect there. They couldn't make it work. There was a lot of strife there. And his moon is in the ninth house, the house of religion. Wow. And it's interesting. He found such a home away from home. Yeah, there. that was his, it was his community. Mm -hmm. And he stayed in it his whole life because it was so important to him. Yeah. So as it's, a, did you have anything else? I was just going to say it's where he felt safe. It is absolutely where he felt safe. And he would he would say, like, he appreciated it so much. It was his community and where he got support that he always wanted. Yeah. So as a teenager, he attended Rubidoux High in Riverside, California. He was on the wrestling team, and he graduated from there in 95. After graduation, he went on a church mission to Denver, Colorado. The purpose of the mission was to support church services and engage in activities that supported the community. It's like pretty standard stuff for really any religion mm -hmm. going on like a little mission after usually high school so he finished the mission in 98 and returned to riverside he had dated a woman named diana from the church for a couple of years they separated for a bit but rekindled their relationship in 2002 and travis moved to arizona to be closer to her their relationship didn't last though it was strained after they had premarital sex and travis didn't want to settle on marrying her just because they had had sex so they broke up all right then there's strict rules in the mormon church but he still had sex well so it strained the relationship you know look at yourself like you cannot there's like super strict rules you cannot have coffee you can't drink alcohol there's no smoking and there's definitely no premarital sex it's like the big no-no <laughs> but the man loved women and yep. everyone knew it wow womanizer oh uh, well check this out one of his <laughs> friends named sky wrote him an email and in it it said travis with love you are a heart predator you take great joy in making women fall for the t-dog <laughs> sorry his nickname was t-dog and i think he gave it to himself t-dog so you make you take great joy in making women fall for the t-dog you laugh about what you can get away with and it would scare me to death if my little sister liked you in fact i would not allow it mm, that's pretty telling Yes. So not only did he love women, he also claimed to love money and power, and he'd even read motivational wow. type books on getting rich and being successful. That really speaks to something in his chart. What does it speak to? Well, that Venus-Jupiter activity in his second house, he also has Mars there. But the second house is the house of finance, and it's where when you work, some people work for money, some people work for pleasure, and some people work for status. Mm. And when you're a second house person, you work for money. You're oriented. That's what you want. Um, when you have Jupiter and Venus in that house, again, there's the crowded energy. Could be siblings. That's one thing that these planets can speak to, but of one of the many other things. It's also like material items. And Jupiter is so mm. excessive. And Venus is women. And, you know, having a fixation on that would make, that's a way that that, aspect definitely can speak to him having a definitely a bit of a problem with mm -hmm. those things yeah to the point that his friends have to kind of call him out on it mm -hmm. 
So like the this part of him, the want, wanting money, power, reading motivational type books. This makes sense since for work, he was a motivational speaker and he was an executive director in marketing for the prepaid legal services firm, PPL firm. And right then. apparently this place was like really sketchy. Um, I guess it had been caught up in like a lot of lawsuits and it was essentially like uncovered to be a pyramid scheme. Mm. MLM? Yeah. No, PPL. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> PPL. I got you though. Now, I can sit here and talk to you about Travis, but who better to talk about Travis than Travis? Oh, let's go. So I went on the Wayback Machine and I found his MySpace page. And I'll just read you what he has written in his in his bio. Because why, why, why not like let Travis take over? You have to. I'm a simple man, really. Smart, successful, smashing good looks, a real suitor. I love nature, helping the homeless, and cooking with my grandmother just to create memories. Do I work out, you ask? Well, I'd love to be modest, but can you say triathlete? And if you can't say that, we'll simply say 16 and a half inch biceps. If I look familiar, you are probably an avid re reader of GQ or Men's Health. Anyway, I enjoy going to church, teaching foreign children English, and gourmet cooking. You might s say to yourself, yes, but what are your... What, what are your talents, Travis? Well, if I must answer, poetry, playing the Spanish guitar, or what I like to call the love strings, and understanding more than just people's voices, but understanding people's hearts. At least that's what Maya Angelou said at the awards ceremony when I was nominated for my first Nobel Peace Prize. D if you'd <laughs> like to know more, don't be shy. Go ahead and drop Travis a line. Unless, of course, your common phrase you use is, thanks for the ad. In that case, you're wasting your life on MySpace. You should probably go do something more productive, like read a book or build an ant farm. Ciao. Okay. <laughs> that was so painful for me to read. It's a little bit pretentious. It's a little bit... It does, like, personally? Personally, it doesn't really do it for me. It kind of makes me... Oh, my God. <laughs> but Travis, <laughs> what are your talents? Is, is that what people did on MySpace, or was he just making that? I you know. I mean, if if I think about any sort of social media platform where it's like your bio, people will usually put like twenty seven <laughs> Taurus, Bradford, Ontario. I like yeah. cats and cooking. For real, but this is like it's a novel. It's a lot. He is a motivational speaker. I know. Is he using his critical decree, Leo Mercury? I don't really know. emphasize, you know, the greatest things about himself. It's so it's so <sighs> much. Playing the Spanish guitar, or what I like to call. Did he? I don't know. Does he? I don't like, know. If, I think he may have a Nobel Peace Prize. Like, what is he talking about? Is it he, a joke? Yeah, I think he like, thinks it's funny. He's just being, you know, coy or something. I don't know. He's just, that's his way of flirting. Who? <laughs> <laughs> Travis. <laughs> Travis flirting with Travis. He's like, if I flirt with me, people will want to flirt with me too. <laughs> He's his biggest fan. Yeah. If you can't say triathlete, can you say 16 and a half inch biceps? Oh my God. <laughs> I think he was like overcompensating for how hard life really was for him though. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> or he, unless he believed that. But... I think that he was just a confident guy, you know? God. So like I said, personally, that doesn't, it doesn't do it for me. It makes me... 
a little cringy. Yeah, but, I agree. But do you know who, who was into this? Could it be the obsessive ex-girlfriend that we heard about in that earlier phone call? Oh, oh, do you mean Jody Arias? Oh, right. Oh, my God. Right, that's her name. Oh, my God. That's who it did it for. Wow. It was Jody. What do you think she put on her MySpace? <laughs> do you have it? Yeah, I have it. Oh, great. It's not what you think. It's probably like, I'm very sensitive and sweet. I'll read it to you. Okay. Open-minded, artistic, tolerant, kind, compassionate, loving, approachable, generous, healthy, creative, prosperous, strong, playful, appreciative, adventurous, spiritual, reflective, responsible, reverent. Wow. Yeah, I think she was confused on if bio also meant adjective. <laughs> She's like, I'm just going to put a bunch of good words. Keep it simple and sweet. And, yep. It's like she, Sugar it's like she read Travis's bio and broke it down by sentence oh my into God. an adjective and then put it in her own. Poetry. <laughs> Poetry. What's the last one? Reverent. What does that mean? I think it means like... Um, is that a religious thing or am I confused? Not uh, reverend. Reverend, I think, means like, what does that even mean? Thinking? Thinking on the past? Reverend. Dyson. Ruminating? <laughs> Are you ruminating, Jody? Roomba? Jody? Expressing or characterized by reverence. That's not helpful. What? Worshipful. Oh, it is? Okay. Maybe it is a religious thing. Worshipful. She's a worshiper? She's, She's worshipful. a reverend? Okay. She's full of reverie and reverence. Rev, rev, rev. <laughs> Fake it till you make it. Oh, yeah. I think those are some mottos here that um, you see with their personalities in some ways. Yeah. Yeah, look, well, if I project it out into the world, then it makes it true. That's what it is. So, so yeah, like I said, Jody, she's into this. She's into the T-Dog. <laughs> Jody, Jody Ann Arias, she was born in July as well, but she was born on July 9th mm -hmm. in 1980. She was born in Salinas, California to William and Sandy Arias. She was raised in Salinas and she has four siblings. She claims she was physically abused by both of her parents from an early age, which traumatized her. Allegedly, her mother would beat her with a wooden spoon and her dad would whip her with a belt. Wow. Allegedly. And at uh, the age of 12, these horrible, abusive, traumatizing parents took note of her artistic ability and enrolled her in an after-school art class. That was nice of them. Yes. She carried her love of art throughout her life, and in general, she was just, like, overall artistically inclined. She liked photography. She could sing. She was a good artist, but she mainly stuck with photography. Mm-hmm. Finding a way to speak through art, probably something that helped her. I think so. Um... Jody, a cancer, with Mercury conjunct her son, planet of logic, reason, but her Mercury stationed retrograde. And mm -hmm. something I noticed about cancers is when you're ruled by the moon, just depending on what your moon is like, that's how, how you tend to react to things emotionally. She has Gemini moon, though. Mm. So it's a little bit removed, because Gemini moons tend to incline to be logical, but her cancer son conjunct this retrograde Mercury probably tells her it would be much more emotional energy that kind of goes back and forth she might experience like a lot of inner turmoil with that it was something that i thought yeah and um it's not uncommon though she has venus really close to her moon as well 
they're both in Gemini, but very artistic. I'm not surprised that that would be an outlet for her. Like, mm-hmm. especially if she's has like a lot of turbulence going, you know, and doesn't know how to deal with it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Very, very insightful. At 20, she purchased equipment to begin building a portfolio of weddings and portraits, which ultimately led to referrals from other engaged couples. So she started making a bit of money mm. with her photography. But she she did need a part-time job to sort of like supplement the income because she loved photography. She was good at it. Mm-hmm. She was kind of building up a client base, but it wasn't paying the bills. So in 2001, she applied to work as a server at a luxury coastal resort in California called Ventana Big Sur. I think is how you say it. A man named Daryl Brewer. Brewer. Brewer was the manager at the time, and he hired Jody. So he was her supervisor until the resort went through managerial changes, and he stepped down from management and began working as a server alongside her. And it was in late 2002 or early 2003 when they began dating. So originally, they both lived in staff housing on the resort, but Daryl finally got on his feet after he had been going through a divorce. And in 2003, he quit working at the resort and moved 30 miles north to Monterey. And they were still dating and seeing each other a few times a week outside of work. And Jody was gradually getting to know his son, Jack, which was like a really big deal because he was really protective of his son. Mm. And there were oddities about Jody for sure. <laughs> oddities. She, uh, so she dyed her hair blonde and got a boob job, which made her look exactly like Daryl's ex-wife. Oh, wow. And and on top of that, she bought similar clothes to what she wore, and she bought the exact same car. Hmm. That's really, really interesting. Um, One of the things I had noted about Jody's chart when I looked at it was her Cancer, Sun, and Mercury are in the third house. And the third house is uh, when you have planets there. You're very, very sensitive to your environment and what's immediately around you, such as your family growing up, your neighbors, anyone in your close surroundings. Uh, And it's not uncommon when you have a Mercury in her position that's a little bit set back being in retrograde and answering to the moon. And she has some struggles there with how her planets are operating. Mm -hmm. Um, In the third house, you can, I, I looked at it and I thought, like that's someone that would be very open to taking on other people's uh, personalities. Like when they spend a lot of time with people, they adapt things that are like their environment. They start acting like people that they want to that are in their environment or like taking on a lot of traits around them. Uh-huh. Um, very, very spongy, especially being cancer, water. If you're not always guarded, you're super spongy, soaking things up. If she was thinking about his ex-wife a lot, became fascinated with this, I'm. it's so weird. It like is she super weird. Would absorb it and become like I want to be like that, look like that, and her with her uh, Venus activity and Moon and the second house. What I said before about finances and stuff. People mm-hmm. who are second house focused, they care about money often. It's something that is very important to them. Mm-hmm. But her making art for her money, um, like wanting to do that, is a placement that speaks there, and also getting the work done. Her having like cosmetic work done. Yeah, I was going to say that is like hardcore mm-hmm. if she is like, like you're saying, spongy and like trying yeah. to, like maybe not trying to, but 
inevitably soaking up other people's like personas yeah it is hardcore to alter your body and her her planets there talk to each other a lot you can see how planets talk by how ruling planets are answering to each other and her cancer sun answers to her moon and gemini which will answer to her cancer mercury and then we'll go back to her moon they're very connected there so Ooh. she has a really strong emotional logical um and she has this aspect as well jupiter is in the mix there's a square to jupiter it's harsh jupiter really puts a dramatic flair on things so that <sighs> emphasizes a lot there as well she it implies she can be really dramatic have a hard time seeing things clearly having perspective on things mm -hmm. and keeping like a grip on reality oh god mm -hmm. i think that's really accurate so i feel like if anyone like if you went to Orlando's and then all of a sudden he just started looking like one of your exes i think everyone would be like what have you done it's so weird <laughs> but like apparently daryl wasn't bothered by it he didn't really notice or he didn't care i don't know because in his eyes he thought like things were going really well they had a good stable relationship to the point that by june of 2005 they decided to buy a house together in palm desert seven hours southeast of monterey which is where he had moved to so they were both on the mortgage they split the expenses jody got a couple part-time jobs in town and daryl said she was like really easygoing and she has was never known to have a temper she didn't display any sort of jealousy and she was really understanding like for example, they rarely discussed getting married because Jody understood that he wasn't ready to remarry anytime soon. And like I had mentioned before, he was really protective of his son, mm -hmm. but he trusted her and and believed in her enough to let Jack around her and even live with them. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So by March or April 2006, Jody began working with that sketchy prepaid legal services for pyramid scheme business <laughs> and the more the year progressed and the more involved she got with her new job the less interest she paid to daryl and her responsibilities she was not paying her bills she was going into debt and she was becoming very spiritual and very religious which conveniently lines up with meeting travis who is a devout mormon mm -hmm. he's a mormon elder the two met on a work-related trip to Las Vegas in September at the MGM Grand Casino, and they were inseparable all weekend. And Travis even invited her to, like, this elegant dinner for top-earning employees. By the time the trip ended and the weekend was over, Jody apparently told Travis about being with Daryl and living with him and being in a long-term relationship. But I guess Travis didn't care, and they agreed to keep in touch. I'm not surprised by them being inseparable upon meeting, kind of having an instantaneous connection. Mm -hmm. They have aspects in their chart that I can see they would mirror each other in some ways or feel that way together, especially on Jody's part. She might really identify with Travis. Mm -hmm. And then again, if she's super spongy, takes on people's personalities, has a hard time with her own identity, very emotional, but has a hard time seeing that, you know, she might have really, really f attached herself to him. She definitely did. They both have Ascendant and Taurus, and their houses line up so closely. It's like, yeah, you kind of feel like you met a part of you. Mm -hmm. 
you would feel like, you know, and I can see they're both born in July, like little things like that might have meant a lot to her. Or even when you meet someone and you think, oh my God, we're so much alike. I connect with this person so much. And they both have clusters of Gemini planets that are conjunct each other. They're aligned. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so yeah. yeah. So you would feel like, oh, I see myself in this person. Mm -hmm. And like maybe that instant connection you think is there. Yeah. So like I said, they agreed to keep in touch. And they really did keep in touch because their relationship, like you're picking up on, was immediate. But it was also very intense. Yeah. And especially for a long distance relationship, they spoke on the phone every single night. And throughout their on again, off again relationship, they exchanged over 80,000 emails. That's a lot. 80,000. And I don't think that's an emails. I know. And I don't even. I, emailing. That was <laughs> the thing, I guess. <laughs> it was like yeah. 2000. At this time, it's like, oh, like 2006. And but like emails, just emails, not even counting like phone calls. I doubt it's taking into account like MySpace messages, Facebook messages. That's so true. Yeah. Oh my god, that's that just is so obsessive. obsessive. Yeah, and they both have. They both have aspects of being perhaps obsessive lovers. No. So I'm not really surprised by that. Again, with their the way that their charts line up, and they have a little bit of this mirroring going on. Mm -hmm. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, and they both have you know Uranus in the seventh house which is spontaneous relationships. It's an aspect of people who are really, really, you know, when they meet people, they like to have a lot of fun. Oh, They're yeah. outgoing, might make bad decisions at times because you're just doing you're looking for what the fun feels right. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot that can happen there. And so not surprised they met spontaneously as well. And then had this that. weekend together where they're like, oh my God. Oh my God, we're someone alive, yeah. Travis. Especially oh for God, her. Oh my God, can I call you T-Dog? And he's like, hmm. <laughs> you're one of many but that aspect not only is about spontaneity 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 but uh you know uranus is a little bit unpleasant you can't control everything it's an outer planet you can't control what it does it's kind of that planet means it's a planet of accidents mishaps you know unfortunate events oh my god that are out of your the control. same placement in this yeah they both have it in the seventh house and you know, they're both, they were both so impacted by this relationship. It completely turned their lives upside down. Mm -hmm. So, like, <laughs> I mean, one of them's dead and the other one is, you know. She's where she is. So, yeah, <laughs> it completely changed their lives. And that aspect is so strong. That they both have that. And I'll just keep talking about all the reasons that this is, these <laughs> impactful, immediate, spontaneous, intense things impacted their relationship so by november so only two months after meeting jody was actively involved with the mormon church to the point she was baptized by travis no really wow that's she, intense she was inviting people over to the house for prayer sessions and she even told daryl that she wouldn't be intimate with him anymore because she was saving herself for her future husband that's how intense she was about it but she's still with Daryl? They're still together. Okay, then. And well, that's right here in my notes. Meanwhile, she's been sexually active with Travis. That's and had what? been for a while since they began fooling around after a week of knowing each other. So she's not honest. 
since sex was a huge no-no in the Mormon church, they stuck to oral and anal sex. I don't believe that. Because it didn't that. count as premarital sex. I don't believe that. Do you believe that? Uh, well, I don't know because Travis isn't here to say that. Not, I just... He's not here to say that he... I, I don't believe that. That sounds silly to me. Like, if he was having sex with other women or had had sex with another woman, like, maybe he was like, no, I'm not going to do that again. I'm only going to do it the safe way and do these other things. Like, yeah, it doesn't make sense, but... He, it, he could, they could really have decided on this because he did... His relationship with Diana did fall apart because they both were, like, grief... Grief-stricken? No, mm-hmm. guilt-ridden. Not grief-stricken. It, it could also be an excuse, though. Yeah. You know, like, he could have just been like, I, think, I don't want that. I don't want you for I, life. I think that Bye. was more of it. You know? Yeah, I think that was more of it. He was like, I kind of wanted to see who else I can get with. Yeah. What else is out there? I'm so young and attractive and fit. and I'm the T-Dog. Poetic. Yeah. Like, I got to get it. I got to test the waters. So while Jody was having these wild Mormon prayer sessions and finding her faith and saving her body for her future husband, Daryl was working on being closer to his son because his ex-wife had moved back up to to uh, Monterey and had taken Jack with her. So mm-hmm. him and Jody decided to break up. He got a place near his son and ex-wife, but they agreed that Jody could stay in the house until it sold. This guy sounds like a character. Daryl? Yeah. yeah he like does. he sounds like he's trying to do the right thing and like... But also sounds confused. <laughs> I think he's definitely confused. And I think that his main, I think his main goal was always his son. Yes, for sure. And it it, it kind of got like. confusing around this time because, you know, he's like, well. Good for him s- for choosing his son I over know. his partner. Like, it's respectable. Yeah. Plus, I mean, at this point, he was probably also like, I'm trying to live with my son here. I only get him once a week. I don't know if that's true, but, you know. <laughs> I only get them sometimes, and uh, you're having these Mormon rendezvous. Yeah. <laughs> Lady. So and she that. was like, we're not going to have sex anymore or do anything because I'm saving myself for my future husband. Did he pay for the boob job and stuff? I don't know if he did. I wonder. He, he probably – well, I was going to say he probably did, but I mean – If she, she was paid having her, hard times and she like – She paid her own bills, though. Like, she had her own expenses. They split stuff. Mm-hmm. And she was going into debt, so – really who knows i yeah. feel like it's something that she would just go and do and yeah. come home and be like honey i made a spontaneous <laughs> decision <laughs> meet the twins <laughs> oh my god i think it was i think she just kind of went out and did it and was like surprise yeah not the best financial decision maker are people with harsh jupiter ex- aspects <laughs> That makes so, sense, especially since Daryl said he was getting frustrated with her for going into debt, not paying her bills. Mm-hmm. So it's like, even if she cared about money, that doesn't necessarily mean you're good at, with money. No, no, not at all. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're materialistic and just want, you know, focused on finer things or just want to look like his ex-wife. Yeah, and you want to look like you have more than like that's just bad for anyone. Mm-hmm. All right, so now. It's around Christmas time, and Jody didn't want to be alone for the holidays, so she asked Travis if she could spend time with him at his new place in Mesa, Arizona. He said no. He was having his family over. There was no room for her. Oh, no. But do you think that Jody, a super jealous and lonely woman on Christmas Eve, was going to take no for an answer? Especially if she has these, you know, she doesn't want to be with her family. She's you not know? with her family, and she didn't she... want to be alone. Mm-hmm. So the answer is no. She did not take no for an answer. (laughs) 
on Christmas Eve, she showed up unexpectedly during their family dinner, invited herself in, and introduced herself as his girlfriend. Wow. And Travis was like, yay. No. Travis was pissed. He was pissed. But he was like, fine, you can stay for dinner. Because I'm not going to give you the boot in front of my whole family. Yeah. But you have to leave after. You're not staying the night. That's ridiculous. Like, what a situation. What do you do? It, it must have been so awkward. Plus, like, he hadn't even told anybody about Jody. Why they, would he? They had to have been able to tell. Like, she would walk in. His face was probably like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, Plus, it's Christmas. Like, yeah. if she was supposed to be there, she would be there. Yeah, they would know that this is, like, a situation she's strong-arming him into dating her. Pretty much. And just intru- just waltzing in, being like, hi, I'm his girlfriend. And imagine like, really, the nerve. never heard of you. The nerve. She just did not. She she's so, so jealous she never wanted to be alone she does not make good decisions she was like oh so you're gonna choose your family over me which is how she sees it even though that's not he wasn't necessarily doing that they were not official mm-hmm. he was just like no I'm, it's my new place i want to host a family dinner for once on in my own home on yeah. my terms there's no room for you you're not invited i'm sorry which she, she's saying to yeah. a girl that you're just kind of like messing around with you're not that's not your girlfriend Hi, I'm, I'm Travis's girlfriend. I feel like she's calculated. She tries to be very calculated. Yeah, plus a part yeah. of her probably knew he would say no since she wasn't invited anyway and it was already Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. She was like, hmm, I'll show you. So like I said, he was like, fine, you can stay for dinner, but you're not staying the night. Yeah, when he got up the next morning, Jody was sleeping under his Christmas tree. No. He did not react no. well. And Jody could tell that he was pissed and that he was pushing her away because she's acting inappropriately. So she went to his friend Sky for advice. Sky is the same friend that had sent that email saying that you're like you get off on playing with women's hearts essentially. Mm. And Sky like sympathized with Jody because she knew Travis, she knew him for a long time, and she knew that he wasn't always easy to be with. Mm-hmm. So he she like went to Travis for Jody and was just like, yo, you're not really treating her very fair. You got to stop playing games with her and just women in general. Yeah. And he, she essentially was like, you get a kick out of leading women on and then you get a kick out of pushing them away when they fall for you because you make them fall for you. Yeah. And originally this conversation went terribly. Travis was essentially like, oh, fuck you. But Sky claimed that after a little while, her and Travis did reconcile, and by February 2007, he had officially began dating Jody. So about two months mm-hmm. after the Christmas incident. At first... Two months after. He had been distant. He was oh, probably no. still... They're probably still obsessively communicating. Mm-hmm. But he reconciled with Skye and then agreed to date Jody. So they were... They did start she, dating. Okay. I see. I wonder how he really felt about that. Like, I wonder if he felt pressured by people around him. I feel like he was so confused inside when you look at his harsh sun moon aspect, like that inability to make it work. The sun and moon isn't only like able to speak to his parents not being able to make it work and him being grown up in like a really dysfunctional environment, but his inner workings, his sense of self with his son and his like inner emotions and secrets that are conflicting. Mm -hmm. He wants maybe one part of him part of him wants one thing other part wants another thing and he's always fighting with himself those are good observations especially to say like well i wonder how he really felt about it and leo's fight for self-control very hard i have you, a, you know 
have an email here of where he says exactly how he feels about it. Oh, let's get into it. So at first when they started dating, they were they were happy. Travis was equally infatuated with Jody, and he was even hoping to marry her one day. He sent the following email to Sky. I went from intrigued by her to interested in her to caring about her deeply to realizing how lucky I would be to have her as a part of my life forever. She is amazing. It is not hard to see whoever scores Jody, whether it be me or someone else, oh my God. is going to win the wife lotto. That's <laughs> <laughs> so much. He's is- so extra. So they both have these Gemini clusters, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. He's got Gemini Mars, Venus, Jupiter, and she's got Gemini Moon and Venus. Mm. And they're all very close together. But the strongest one is Travis's Gemini Mars and Jody's Moon are the closest together. Okay. And that brings together, more than anything, sexual energy well, yeah. and anger. Anger, oh, no. sex emotions it's very turbulent their venuses are pretty close but they're not as close as the moon and mars on their part so it's so you have these two people who are already completely conflicting with their charts their charts mm -hmm. have conflicting energy and then you put these two charts together that align closely with with in certain ways they have close alignments they're going to mirror each other in some ways they are both concentrated with Gemini energy, which is the twin energy. And it's which kind of emphasize yes. the parts that are already kind of conflicted. They're both Gemini Venus. So they're both really going to, they're going to love each other in some ways for sure. Gemini is like what you like. Or, it's going to be sorry, like a, a passionate sort of, though, mm-hmm. a passionate one. And There's intense. two sides to it. It's not simple. It's not, you know, it's the mutable sign of Gemini. We've got the twins here. We have these people have so much going on. You can see there's so much to unpack there with how they feel about each other. Yeah. But I had to mention- And going in waves. Yes. Going in waves of like, oh my God, I'm obsessed with her. I love her. She's so hot. She's the wife Mm -hmm. lotto to being like, why are you sleeping under my Christmas tree? Get away from me. Mm -hmm. To being like, this is amazing. She's everything I want. Anyone would be lucky to have her. To being like, well, I mean- I think it was really fueled by sex. It was absolutely fueled by sex. And that the moon Mars is so strong there, but she's the moon in that instance. She's the one who would feel it more intensely. He's the one who's more about the action. Yes. The physical part of it and she's the emotional part of it. It looks like it would be harder on her. He has more planets there. He has more control. You can see she doesn't have as much control. Where she has a really affected moon and he has a very isolated moon Mm -hmm. too. So he's learned to check out in some ways probably. Don't and like self-preservation. <laughs> what was that? What'd you say? <laughs> I <don't> want... <laughs> what? Is this thing on? <laughs> Selective hearing. <laughs> he, he was on and on about how hot Jody is and she's amazing and she's the wife Lotto. Even though they're not married, she could be the wife Lotto. But Travis's friends felt totally differently. They, uh, they did not like Jody. Hardly any of them could even stand her. Notice how you mentioned Travis has all these friends and Jody doesn't have, like, no, where she doesn't have any friends. She doesn't have friends. Her life is literally her surroundings. She, her identity becomes mm-hmm. her partner who she's with. That just goes to the conflicting part of it where Travis is surrounded by these people who are like, bro. Yeah. We're talking about winning the wife lotto. We, don't, we can't even stand her. And they, and his friends, they're, they're straight up with him. They never held back. They were like, we're worried and, you know, we don't really like her. So mm-hmm. why do you? Because there's some things about him they don't know. 
full He's a complicated man. Show. Like you said, he can check out sometimes. So there's stuff going on behind the scenes, but his friends aren't really going to see it. Mm-hmm. So they, like the friends, they thought that Jody was creepy because she was so possessive. She followed Travis around everywhere. If he wasn't in the room, she's like one of those people who was like, where's Travis? Where's Travis? Where's what was he doing? Can't he with function you? until he returns. Where, where is he? Is he with you? Is she talking? Is he? Who's he talking to? Like, ugh. if he was talking to his friends, he, she she would like linger and eavesdrop, and then Sky, who is the one who once sympathized with Jody, mm-hmm. who was like Travis, come on, stop playing games with her. Maybe if you treat her better, this will be better for you. So, like, you know, I feel like Sky was maybe one of the only one of Travis's friends who was originally sort of a fan-ish of Jody's, Willing to give her more of a chance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, she reached the point where she could not stand Jody. Her and Travis were talking one day about the events at Christmas, and they realized the story didn't line up with what Sky was telling Travis Jody said and what Travis said actually happened. It was like, this doesn't line up. So Sky realized that Jody was the one most likely playing games, trying to manipulate everyone around her so that Jody could get her way. Mm-hmm. Very, very manipulative. She, Jody always wants her way. Mm-hmm. It has to be her way. Clearly, she, she fucking stormed Christmas dinner. Yeah. And I think that that element in her chart of the emotion versus logic but maybe she doesn't see how emotional she is because no. she's always trying to overwrite it with logic i don't without think she realizing that it, she is yeah she, she doesn't see it she's thinking what do you mean i'm problem solving i'm mm-hmm. making this work i'm i'm the one who's getting it done right because most people who are inherently selfish who truly yeah. are very selfish don't think they are yes so if they even show a shred of something that seems outwardly mm-hmm. they're like well i couldn't possibly be a selfish person a good point you reminded me of when you have your mercury in close proximity to your sun it's harder for you to think outside yourself mm. she has mercury retrograde within four oh, degrees no. of her sun mercury can only be max one sign away from your sun mm-hmm. but the further away it is the more removed your mental space is from your sense of self Ugh. so you're able to think more outside yourself able to you know, you're just you're not always focused on yourself whereas hers is like right on top yep so it's just when you have planets really close together the energies blend so if you put your mind very oh God, close it blends to the just sun, like her persona into other people's mm-hmm. personas it's and she can't separate it she doesn't see it she doesn't realize she's so emotional but again she doesn't see it She's answering to whatever she wants. Her moon is very moon in the second house. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be very like greedy. Like I want what I want to make me feel good right now. Yeah, that it is absolutely comfort. She cannot possibly in her in her heart feel like she's sitting there stewing in her own whatever mm-hmm. it is. And then she has to problem solve. She has to put a bandaid on it, even yeah. if it means being emotional, which she doesn't and see. And manipulative. She's incredibly manipulative, yeah. and that's what people are starting to realize. So in this case, Sky who once sympathized with her, was like, no, you know what? I hate this. She Mm -hmm. was manipulating me, and I helped her get her way, and I hate it. Yeah. And to hammer home how much Skye did not care for Jody. One night, Skye and her husband, Chris, were talking to Travis about Jody's rude behavior and how they were concerned for him. They were were concerned. I think they even made a comment about how, like, they were worried they were going to find him chopped up. Oh, my God. Like, they were worried. Yeah. She she was being a freak. (laughs) So... While they're literally having this conversation, 
they heard a weird noise outside. <laughs> so they opened the door and Jody no. was standing there. No. I wonder if she heard. She did because <gasps> she was very angry and she asked Sky, are you trying to convince Travis to stop seeing me? And Sky was like, yeah, I am. Oh and you need to leave and you are never welcome back here because what the fuck are you doing? When did you say this was again? This was not long after they had had that conversation. Okay. Like Travis and Sky had had that conversation where they were like, wait, what? That's not what happened like on Christmas? early 2008? Oh, uh, no, early 2007. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. So she's been crazy since day one. Oh my God. Yeah. So literally as Sky and Chris are trying to tell Travis, like, yo, she's got red flags sticking out of her ass. Like, stay away. Because the relationship went on longer than it should have. Incredibly so. It should have been brief. <laughs> Shouldn't have been non-existent. Yeah. Especially since she was with Daryl, living with with living with him. Yeah. They had chances to like separate, and they they just couldn't. Because Jody can't be alone. She can't be stay alone. Away. She needs to have her way, and she needs to be happy. And it doesn't matter who gets hurt. Yeah. But I just think this is this must have been so vindicating for Sky, who had once been like, I sympathize with you, Jody. Travis is kind of hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. To totally flipping on her head. And trying to essentially convince Travis to leave her. Yeah. In that moment, hearing a bizarre sound outside and seeing Jody there, who, remember, they're in Arizona. Jody lives in Palm Desert, California. That's, That's hours away. Crazy. That's like four or five hours away. So she would just show up. She'd drive to his house and show up and be out front. So this guy's literally like, dude, she's crazy. What's that sound? Opens the door and it's her. And when she said, like, you need to leave. You're not welcome here. Chris said that he looked at Jody and she was giving Sky this look that he described as like just pure evil and yeah. full of hatred, just shooting daggers. My God. So the infatuated whirlwind part of their relationship was definitely dwindling, and Travis was acting more cold towards her. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were only official for a few months before they broke up because of how possessive and jealous Jody was. You know, just like doing typical stuff like snooping through his things and going through his cell phone. On one of these cell phone snoop sessions, she saw Travis was talking to other women. She was pissed off about it. and She broke up with him, which apparently he was like super relieved about because he had wanted to see other people anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, he wanted to find that wife Lotto. <laughs> and uh he hadn't he claims to all his friends like well i never took my relationship very seriously with her anyway so her breaking up with me is actually kind of a saving grace so like he wanted travis began to see other women to find his one true love to win that wife lotto and he started dating a woman named lisa but he kept talking to jody on the side oh, mainly no. for phone sex no <laughs> come on yeah he could not. They were just obsessed. And, and that he Gemini. Just, he's obviously like you were talking about the powerful physicality, physicality, oh my God. <laughs> physical relationship that's so sex driven. Yeah. He's not going to be having sex with Lisa because he's trying to hold up that the Mormon virtue rule. I don't know about not having a confused sex. person. So he's like, fuck, I need to get my rocks off, but I can't do it with Lisa, who's so conservative. Yeah. I'm going to call Jody for some phone sex. As if she's like a dumping ground. She kind of is. Yeah. But she lets like, it happen. Yeah. Answers the phone, and then they continue down there, back and forth, twisted. It just starts over again. He cycle. said, she said, like, 
you know? Yes. Very juvenile. Yeah. Immature. Yeah. I think that's probably why Sky was kind of like, I understand he's difficult to deal with. He's had a rough, yeah, but then you he, know, time. Then she realized, oh my yeah. God, you're just like him though. Mm-hmm. So you've met your match in each other. Yeah. And it's just the way that they- it's explosive. Yeah. They are too much alike in some ways uh-huh. and, and just- But they're but in the ways that they're different, it's yeah. detrimental to especially Jody. Like Extremely. It's not a real problem, but to her, it's the biggest problem. Yeah. I think that's why. I don't know about that other guy. Um, Daryl? Daryl. The so corrects? So, Daryl? Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know if he was a more passive, um, like... Sh- I just don't think he was as emotionally invested at all. Yeah. I think like, he was just kind of happy to have someone to spend time with, but I think his main focus was always his son. So even if he did notice things, I think he was just kind of like, eh. They brought out such a thing in each other. Like... Just so fiery yeah. something. So... To make matters worse, Jody found out that Travis was dating Lisa, which obviously, as someone so jealous and possessive, to find out that he's been calling you for phone sex. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, he has been dating this other woman. She was like, okay, then. So she leaves her Palm Desert home and moved to an apartment in Mesa, literally minutes away from Travis's home. How do you f- just find that readily available like she's oh, gonna you're go dating lisa his apartment well then right i'll close you. this gap she moves right, i think it was like 10 minutes away like it was right there and somehow i don't know how but it's jody so she can always find a way to be even more erratic mm-hmm. so she uh she, no, she just did just perfectly normal stuff like like stalking him Hiding in the bushes outside of his house to take pictures of him, like she's fucking Cy the photo guy. <laughs> that's perfect. We were just talking about that. Yeah. And that's what this is. She's hiding out front of his house in his bushes, taking photos of him, I think through the windows. Like, that's so scary. It is terrifying. She was sending him threatening messages, not actually, not only even to just him, to anybody in his life that she. Th- even thought might he might be talking to she was like well i'll send you a threatening message too she even broke in through the doggy door of his house and she was like creeping around the house she would fall asleep on his couch and he would just wake up to find her on his couch and she even stole his journals that's so invasive and going back to that 911 call the operator had asked oh like did travis report any of this to the police he never reported any of this wow none of the stalking the threats the breaking and entering the sleeping on his sofa stealing his journals none of it i wonder why like i wonder i i feel like he i don't know he must not have felt she was really a threat he thought he had control or something in this situation like he was (laughs) would just be able to appease her when he felt like it and she wouldn't ever take it that far yeah, unless, like, there was a weird part of him that liked it or something. I can see that. I can see this being a, a kind of a game to him, but he really must not have seen her as a threat. Or if he did, like, he he was, like, living for the thrill. He was definitely, like... I was going to say he definitely was, but no, I don't know that. But it seems fitting. It could be fitting. He was definitely looking for something, you know, if you're engaging with this person. Constantly, even after times when it could be done. You, you could have been broken up. You could have not yeah. talked. They just somehow kept finding their way back to each other. And to go back on what you're saying, even though 
it seems like he was not actually threatened by her mm-hmm. or put off by her or like worried. I mean, literally she's breaking into his house, but he was telling all his friends that he was afraid of her and saying like, because she's quote unquote crazy. Yeah. And he said, I know that she is slashing my tires. So apparently hmm. one day he found his tires were slashed. And of course he was talking to Jody on the phone. And he told her about it and how his car was at the mechanics getting new tires. So when the tires were finally replaced, mm-hmm. she was like, I'll come pick you up and we can go and get your car. So they were leaving the parking lot separately, obviously, because now they both have their own cars. He headed in the opposite direction of her. So she called him and was like, where are you going? You're going the wrong way. And he just hung up on her because he was probably like, Ugh, I don't care. The next day, his tires were slashed again because he went the wrong way, according to her, but it ended up being in the direction of Lisa's house. Oh. So he got his car fixed, and he was like, thanks, Jody, for the ride. Bye. And then went to Lisa's house. Oh, my God. And then the next day, his tires were slashed again. Yeah. <laughs> so he was like, fucking. That's pretty obvious. I know it's Jody. And he still why wasn't he st- reporting any of this. And why is he still calling, like, communicating with her? I don't know. It's 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 infuriating. I'm torn between two things that I noticed about him, about their synastry, about oh, the Lord. way that their planets function together. There was her Mercury is exactly conjunct his IC, his Imum Coli 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 E Coli. It's one of those words you read and then you go to pronounce it, and you're like, how do you actually say that? So that point in his chart. <laughs> the bottom of the sky it represents your early life and your home and uh where you come from mm-hmm. and then your mid heavens where you're going and what you aspire to so people tend to try to get away from that point because you're trying to go towards your mid heaven your future yeah towards something bright the sky you want to go towards the light um, you're trying to like heal your south node or something mm-hmm. those are two different points okay okay but you're Right about that. Okay. South node is like past lives, past karma. Right. Old mistakes, old things that you inherit it can be really good, but you have to be very careful with it. Um, but the bottom of the sky, imam kola. Yeah, that's determined by the houses. Yes. So gotcha. it's, it will be if you use Placidus, which is like modern astrology, any website, if you go and type in like you know, f- go find a birth chart calculator online. Mm-hmm. It will use Placidus. That's like the modern house system. Mm. And um, so it will be the fourth house cusp using Placidus. And then the midheaven is like the 10th house cusp. But in Hellenistic astrology and other and older forms of astrology, that's it's not always the fourth house cusp. Sometimes it's different. Um, but her Mercury falls right on his IC, the point of his home and the point of like childhood that people tend to try to grow from and so and you know (gasps) some people have really great childhoods and really great home lives and they always want to keep that with them and that will show in their chart and some people don't (laughs) and and want to grow from it but her mercury being right on his IC, I thought when I looked at it that could be something about her brings him back to childhood. Maybe ways that she is or that they are together is like 
similar to what he's seen or mm -hmm. experienced that he never wanted to be. He wants to be a successful person. Yeah. He doesn't want to have these dynamics. I don't know what his parents were like in the relationships he saw, though, if he saw like toxic, controlling, manipulative relationships and thought this is normal or that's why he likes it. It's familiar to him. Maybe the chaos, the turbulence, like her cancer, mercury, the energy that that brings and how chaotic their relationship is, is comforting to him and familiar in a way that his childhood is like, yes, it was messed up and this and that, and he had nowhere to go. And, you know, I had to go live with his grandma and had all these experiences, yep. but maybe that chaos embedded in him a certain way. And he found a weird comfort with the whatever crazy dynamic they had together. I think that that is an incredibly good breakdown of it. It is really hitting a lot of things on the head with, with how they both are. Mm-hmm. And for Travis, I think it was almost like this is a man who was obsessed with being successful, wanted to overcome mm -hmm. all of those tribulations, everything that he had. Yeah. Um, he literally ran away from home. Mm -hmm. So that was obviously something that he was proud of, found this new community. Um, I think that there's yeah. this weird part of him who likes the games, the challenge. So even if he, she, Jody, was sort of igniting something in him that mm -hmm. was from that like childhood realm it either was familiar or it wasn't i don't think that that really was a part of it for him i think it was the fact that she was so not triggering but yeah intense yeah and it's like oh well this just makes the game more fun mm -hmm. the trickery of that like the mercury aspect another way you could look at it is you, you know, if the midheaven is what you're aspiring to in your future. And she has her Mercury on his IC holding him down. It does speak to how she stopped him from ever reaching a future, from ever actually getting there. Yeah, because, she kind of like checkmated him. Yeah. Stalemated? I don't know. That's another way to look at that. She really, really did trap him. And and even though time was going on, they were trapped in this cycle. Mm -hmm. It was an, a cycle of the same shit over and over again. Mm -hmm. And everyone around them is like, oh, my God god the cancer moon cycles okay so the slashing of the tires all right so like i was saying before they he was not reporting any of this to the police mm -hmm. and despite all of these things him her hiding in his bushes and slashing his tires and whatever they were still seeing each other and they had even kicked their sexual relationship up a notch by now having vaginal sex not just oral and anal sex and like I said before, the premarital sex is a huge Mormon no-no. Yeah. Not only had they still been seeing each other, kicking their sex life up, they were also traveling all over the place together. They went to Niagara Falls, amusement parks, national parks. I think they went to like a hot air balloon festival. Like you name it. They were, they were always together. And even though if, if Travis was around other people when he was around Jody as well, she would get pissed because he would be so cold to her and be like, the other side with her. would come out. Yeah. But if they were together on these one on one trips, like clearly they were still seeing each other all the time. She said that he was, he was really like sweet and loving and caring and they always had a lot of fun. And there is pictures. That's so ugly the and my, too, like two faced. And then her, all of it. Her my face, my space is full of photos of them together. They really did travel to oh all these God. places together and they were having good time. And in, uh, like, Travis, he had a work-related trip to Cancun scheduled for June 10th, which takes us back to that 911 call. That's the trip that 
their friends and him were supposed to go on the next day and they were like we haven't mm. heard from him and we're trying to plan or like to um get like logistics planned coordinate so that trip he had originally invited jody on as his plus one so like they were still seeing each other so even though they were doing all this stuff up in their sex game spending time together making plans for the future whatever he still wasn't giving in to exclusivity with judy judy (laughs) oh judy it's judy now darn that judy so he still wasn't giving in to being with jody and she was tired of being a side piece she knew he was using her for sex. She was very upset about it. She was very jealous of Lisa, but she was still like holding on to this hope that if she stayed in his life, he'd change his mind and see that they were meant to be together. Wait, what did Lisa think of their trips together? They didn't know. She didn't know How? at this point. Oh my God. Well, she was you, trusting. You literally keep, I swear to God, like, is there a mirror behind me? <laughs> Can you see these notes? Because Jody thought. Like telepathy. Yeah, for real. In my, in my mind, Jody thought that her time had finally come in February 2008 when Lisa found out that Travis was having sex with Jody behind her back and she broke up with him. Mm. So, like you said, what did Lisa think yeah. of this? She, I, she wouldn't be okay with that when she finds out. Nope. She had had no idea about any of this until she did learn about it. I don't know how, but I mean, I'm sure it was jody in yeah. some way probably sending I, her an anonymous message or something i feel like travis really just likes the secretive lifestyle in a way like the having a double life yeah you know living doing what he wants living spontaneously i feel like they are like that way him. and he knows i can call jody up and she's gonna want to do this and that with me when i feel like it and do whatever i want until i don't want her anymore yeah and then i know I she'll still be around you know i can still try and find that perfect mormon woman to marry yeah i can have fun with jody or judy you know whoever <laughs> whoever he wants what i didn't tell lisa that was judy <laughs> jody i know it was you no it was judy i don't know and the worst for jody is to her horror travis still didn't want to be with her after lisa broke up with him he was like no nah, i'm sorry i just i just you're not my you're not material for me so I started dating a woman named mimi Oh, and this was in March 2008. Mimi is the one of the women on the 911 call. Right. I remember that now. Mimi. I think her name was Marie or Maria or something, but she went by Mimi, which makes me think about that show. What about Mimi? Oh, my God. I forgot about that. I liked that show. So Jody feeling absolutely rejected because she was unable to convince Travis to be with her. She moved back to California in April 2008 to live with her grandparents in Wairika. And that's like 16 hours away or something. Like she moved far away. So Travis let the firm, the pyramid scheme, PPL, whatever the fuck, (laughs) know that he would be bringing Mimi along to Cancun instead. And Travis broke up with Jody and they never spoke again to the end. Oh, imagine. Imagine that's what happened. But we're here on a true crime podcast. Yeah. We know that's not the end. So even though they drove each other crazy, Travis was sort of a womanizer. Mm-hmm. You know, he was. He definitely didn't have a very good moral compass that way. I mean, with his religious beliefs, but then living a lifestyle that obviously contradicts that and probably lying to himself just to feel better but about wanting it. wanting the status of being a Mormon elder. Yeah, like that's that's not right. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Oh. Mm. <laughs> cake. <laughs> Sorry. That's great though. That's true. You cannot have your cake and eat it, you? And 
so like even though he is like this indecisive womanizer type and Jody's an erratic possessive weirdo, they still spoke endlessly. Phone calls, messages, emails, sending sexually explicit photos, you name it, they were always communicating. I mean, 80,000 emails. Yeah, that's insane. Fuck, I don't think I've sent 80,000 emails in my life. No. And they were always communicating. Until, you know, June 2008, when in predictable fashion, Jody displayed her jealousy once again. And this time it was Travis who was like, nope, I'm done with you. Get out of my life. I, I can't do this anymore. Because... She hacked into his Facebook account to read private messages between him and Mimi. Oh, no. Mimi and Travis weren't a couple very long, but they did remain friends, and she was still going to go to Cancun with him. So. How does he stay friends with all of his exes like that? Right? I think I had mentioned that to you before. Like, he yeah. still manages to stay so close to everybody. I don't know. I think it's because he's the T-Dog. <laughs> so. Now we've reached the point in our story where Travis's friends had found him dead and name-dropped Jody on that 911 call we heard early, earlier. Earlier? Earlier. Not even name-dropped. Twice. Name-dropped twice. Yeah. From two separate women. Michelle and Mimi were both like, oh my god, Jody, Jody." So they continued to bring up Jody's name when they were interviewed by the detectives assigned to the case. And the lead detective's name was... Esteban Flores. So, naturally, Jody was interviewed. Detective Flores. Flores? F-L-O-R-E-S. I think so. Flores. Well, the detective interviewed her over the phone and was immediately suspicious because she overshared about her friends with benefits relationship with Travis and how he used her and he cheated on her and he shamed her and she was adamant that his former roommate murdered him and she wasn't even in Mesa that day. She denied knowing anything about the murder and took to hardcore grieving instead to the point that she made an album on her MySpace dedicated to Travis and their relationship together and she attended his memorial service and she even wrote this like lengthy letter that was all babbly about how great Travis and her were together and whatever, whatever, and expressing her sympathies to his grandmother. The one woman in his life who was yeah. like the most important to him. Hmm. So Jody could act heartbroken and grief stricken, but no one believed her. Yeah. Because A one <laughs> ex lover. Two her name was mentioned by literally everyone that the detective had talked to. Yeah. And D, when they <laughs> looked into her background, they saw that on May 28th, a burglary occurred at the residence of Jody's grandparents, which is where she was living in Wairika. And among the missing objects was a 25 caliber handgun, hmm. which was never recovered. And a spent shell casing from a 25 caliber bullet was found at the crime scene. Yeah, that's a little bit suspicious. Yeah, so, like, it kind of seems like maybe she orchestrated this burglary. Yeah. I don't know, maybe just, like, 100%, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Remember? So if Jody was capable of most likely orchestrating this break-in, what else was she capable of? Well, this timeline of events leading up to Travis's murder is a good indication of what she's capable of.
So between 1 and 3 a.m. on June 2nd, Jody called Travis four times but didn't talk to him. The longest call was 17 seconds. After 3 a.m., Travis called Jody twice, the first call for 18 minutes and the second for 41 minutes. At 4 a.m., Jody called Travis again and the call lasted less than three minutes. On June 2nd, Jody filled up gas cans to store in the trunk of her car. She drove south to budget rent a car in Redding, California for a supposed trip to Utah where she was going to meet Ryan Burns, who was either a co-worker or a lover or both or neither. I don't know. It's Is reported. he real? He's real. Okay. I just It's just reported differently. Like if they worked together, if they used to work mm-hmm. together, if they're seeing each other, they weren't. It's reported differently. Um, I think that they used to work together and they are lovers. She told a rental car place that she wanted a car that was plain and ordinary and she was adamant that it was not red because she heard that they're the most likely cars to get pulled over meanwhile she's worried about not getting pulled over and she removes her front license plate and she flips her back one upside down which is like a surefire way to get pulled over she's just trying to lessen her chances i guess so (laughs) And and a employee later testified that her hair was blonde when she rented the car, and she left the rental place and called Ryan to say that she'd see him the following day. And after the call, she removed the battery from her phone. This is June second. That's not suspicious at all. None of it is. <laughs> so on June fourth, Travis missed a important like business conference call, and Jody's cell phone was turned back on. She made a call to Ryan saying she'd be there as soon as possible. She had just gotten lost and had stopped to sleep because on June 2nd, she said she'd be there the next day, which was June 3rd. And now it's June 4th. Wow. So she then called Travis and left these like really like cheerful messages on his voicemail. And in one, she asked if he wanted to go with her and her friend to see a Shakespeare play. (laughs) And in another, she talked about how she was lost driving. On June 5th, Jody met Ryan Burns in Salt Lake in a Salt Lake City suburb of West Jordan and attended business meetings with him. Ryan later said that he noticed Jody's formerly blonde hair was now dark brown and that she had cuts all over her hands. On June 6th, Jody left Salt Lake City and headed back to California, and on the road, she called Travis's phone a few more times and then she accessed his voicemail. On June 7th, Jody returned the rental car and she'd put about 2,800 miles on it, which is oh. 4,500 kilometers. That's a lot. It's so much. And she was like leaving messages and telling people like that she was lost. So she kind of fell back on that. Like, well, I kept getting lost. So that's why there's so many. That is a lot. It that is, is so literally much. like when we went up north, drove all the way up north. It's not even that much. No. At all. Not even close. I think it's, it's 2,000. I, I think it's half. It's less than half. Of yeah. Kilometers, we could get yeah. there and back. And that takes 48 almost. If you have great traffic conditions and weather conditions, like 45 hours. Oh, my. There and back? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. You're like in another time zone. Yeah. There. So how did she drive that? That's a lot. It's a lot. She. Wow. And the rental clerk also later testified that the car was missing its floor mats and that it had red stains on the front seat and the rear seats. But it could not be verified that the car had floor mats when Jody picked it up. And the red stains were never analyzed because the car was clean before police could examine it. 
So they just had the testimony, but it could none of it could be proven. Mm-hmm. On June 9th, that group of friends that had gone to Travis's house um, and found his body and called 911 and mentioned Jody as a possible suspect. And on top of noticing the large pools of blood in the hallway and bathroom, police found a bloody palm print along the wall in the hallway and long dark hair stuck in some blood in the bathroom. They thought it was weird that his bed didn't have any bedding on it, so they went to check the washing machine. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, that's weird. Of all things, that's weird. (laughs) Oh my goodness. There's blood and hair everywhere. You would wonder why they probably thought that they were bloody and that they tried to dispose of them, Mm -hmm. and why would you only dispose of that? Yeah. And then leave all the blood everywhere. Exactly. Or maybe that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or maybe they had used bedding to try and clean up or whatever. Yeah. So, like, in their minds, they're like, all right, this is a long shot, but let's just go and check the washing machine. <laughs> they opened it, and they did find the bedding, and they also found Travis's digital camera. It was damaged because someone had attempted to destroy it by putting it through a wash cycle. But they were able to recover the photos from the memory card, as, l- as well as um, they could recover deleted photos as well. The photos <laughs> showed Jody and Travis, and they were in very sexual poses, and some of them were just, like, straight up getting down. <laughs> and they were timestamped starting at approximately 1.40 p.m. on June 4th. Oh, wow. And the last photo of Travis alive was taken at 5.29 p.m. the same day. And he was in the shower. Photos taken moments later show an individual believed to be Travis bleeding on the bathroom floor. In these photos, Jody had brown hair, which means between renting the car and getting to Travis's, she had dyed her hair at some point because that rental clerk was like, nah, she was here. She was blonde. But at Travis's on June 4th and the photos and the hair and everything that's around, she had dark hair. I wonder why she dyed her hair. Like you're in a car, you're traveling. Would you go into a rest stop bathroom and dye your hair? The smell, like, it's so odd. Well, most likely it was on June 3rd when she was unaccounted for. Yeah. Because she had claimed, I think, that she was like, oh, well, yeah, I, I was stopped at some friend's house in Southern California. Because on the 2nd, she had rented the car and, and filled out those gas tanks to put in her trunk. And then on the 4th is when Travis had missed that call. So there's no accounting for her whereabouts on the 3rd which is probably when she was traveling there. Yeah. And I think that she had stopped somewhere, maybe a motel or who knows. Probably not a motel because it could have been surveillance, but I think she dyed her hair to try to, av- to avoid being caught in any way. Whether you're like driving on the highway, maybe there's a toll or something. Mm. But it was most likely on June 3rd that she changed her hair. So soon after... That phone interview where uh, Flores was like, she's kind of suspicious. There was a DNA test done for the palm print and the hair that was found at the crime scene. And both came back as a match to Jody. So Jody was indicted by a grand jury in Maricopa County, Arizona on July 9th, 2008 for the first degree murder of Travis. She was arrested at her grandparents' home in Wairika on July 15th. And taken in for questioning. She was arrested on her birthday. Oh, shit. She was yeah. arrested on her birthday. <laughs> That's funny. And it was like, just going through her Saturn return. What a rough Saturn return. 
what's it what's this is there a significance of a saturn return or something that you should be wary or hopeful for well so saturn the planet of karma <laughs> um it takes about between 27 to 30 years whoa something like that so at this point her whole life to to complete its cycle yeah and it just depends the time is weird because retrograde periods can be wonky so sometimes you're it just some people have quicker ones some people have longer ones like Mm -hmm. someone will have it at 27 and sometimes just just depends on your chart and the layout the retrograde phases and stuff but um so she has sorry you asked me about the significance Mm -hmm. yeah just Um, because like you're saying it's like the current like the karma and on her mm -hmm. birthday is when a grand jury was like yeah let's indict her so being the planet of karma every planet when it completes a cycle everything comes full circle so when you bring karma into it you evaluate the lessons that you've learned in life and Saturn being a planet of intense focus and building and longevity. And it really speaks to things that can hold you back, like what will repress you or there's so many karmic challenges there. Illnesses, it's related to chronic illnesses and detriments that you can inherit and difficulties that will like naturally set you back in life where you have to overcompensate work really hard and so that's where that work ethic comes in with saturn um it shows where you can prevail through circumstances and stuff so if you are a person who has a saturn that's really overwhelmed it shows that those are things you really struggle with in life you have been dealt a harder hand you have to work harder um and so if by the time your Saturn return comes along with whatever your challenges are in life, whatever hand you're dealt, wherever you have detriments and you need to make up for or to like work extra harder to be successful, to make something of yourself in life, um, those lessons, if you don't really get on a track that's beneficial for you, that's going to build you up and get you somewhere, you're going to be brought down when your sense. Saturn return comes around. Um, it, it's not... It's not always bad. Like, you know, if you're a person who has a really good sense of self and you have gone through your early 20s and, you know, in Jody's case, if she looked at her relationships, at her identity issues, mm. which is the big thing, if she was like willing to reflect, be honest with herself and grow a little bit. I don't even think she knew that that was something she should do. It, yeah, which is why it hit her so hard. And it that's did. kind of what they, that's kind of the the rumor or the, you know, what they say about the Saturn return from everything that I've read. So, you know, you really got to be careful about karma, consequences, make the right decisions. And by the time your Saturn return comes around, if you're on a good path, good good things will come. Mm-hmm. You're putting in the work and good karma will come. Yeah, and Saturn not, is kind of a planet that you have to cater to a little bit because it is yeah. so oppressive mm-hmm. and hardcore yeah you can't like pull the wool over saturn's mm-hmm. eyes it's kind of going to it's going to work against you in some ways there are there are people who are really good at working with saturn 
Jody isn't one of them. No. And she kind of sealed her fate here with her karma. She she has a really heavy Jupiter though. Like if she was a person who <sighs> had Saturn in her position, but then had a Jupiter that was like really healthy and strong, she would be a better manipulator. She would be much better at <laughs> gauging her her opponents or her, you know, and she and would be using, a Ted Bundy. She would be like <laughs> Saturn's consequences, Jupiter is luck. When you weigh them, it's interesting. You can see she had a really... I bet that a lot of master manipulators really do have a a positive Jupiter Well, a huge way you see how people, like criminals, people who get away with things and who are like evil and manipulative, when you weigh things like Saturn and Jupiter and see how... What kind of consequences do they have? Do they have this heavy Saturn where they can't get away with things, where it seems like something's always breathing down their neck and kind of holding them back? No? Okay, well, that's kind of in the clear for them. And then you look at Jupiter. Is there Jupiter? Do they? Does it have heavy implications and things holding it back? Does luck work against them? Does it, you know, are they struggling to get people to work with them? Do they have healthy relationships with people? And if not... Um, or if they do, then they're really able to work with that and be mm-hmm. able to manipulate people and get what they want and maybe feign, like, hold off consequences and navigate in, like, dark ways. So you could pull the wool over Jupiter's eyes. Yeah, and you kind of would embody, you know, embody Saturn. Kind of, into, you know, but well, you'd have that's to be when... really, really lucky to him to embody and embrace you know it's you would have to be embracing that energy which is why i think there's like the connections where you know how astrology and tarot and it all overlaps and Mm -hmm. capricorn is connected to the devil and capricorn's connected to saturn and it's it's just interesting it is incredibly interesting Mm -hmm. so yeah happy birthday to jody yeah (laughs) she's indicted on her saturn return (laughs) So they're like, all right, let's bring her in. So uh, while she was waiting to be interrogated, she was singing classics like Oh Holy Night while casually crying, laughing, sleeping, doing some yoga, headstands, and digging through the garbage can. Yeah, that's that's odd. (laughs) When she was finally interrogated, she said, if I'm guilty, I'd beg for the death penalty. She was certain she wasn't guilty. It's Jody. Oh my god. She I'm guilty. Never... I'd beg for the death penalty. <laughs> so in total, she provided three different stories about her involvement in Travis's death. When she was brought in for questioning, when you know she was doing her weird crying, laughing, sleeping, yoga, headstands, garbage can digging business, <laughs> she told police that she hadn't even been in Mesa. She actually wasn't even anywhere near Travis on the day of the murder, and she hadn't even seen Travis in four months. Oh, right. (laughs) Totally. At that point, she didn't know the detective had the photos that were recovered from the camera, which proved she was there on the day of the murder. So he was like, oh, how embarrassing. You weren't in Mesa? (laughs) You didn't even see him for four months? Boom. Photo evidence. And she was like, oh, okay, well, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was there. But I didn't have anything to do with it. Actually, like, we were just hanging out. And then these two intruders broke into to his house. And they murdered him and they attacked me. 
And like, I was so scared. I was so freaked out. So like, I didn't call anybody or run for help because it was so horrifying and traumatic. And I was like worried that these intruders would like hurt my family. Right. That's why you told everyone that. <laughs> That's why when it happened, you called the police, tried to get help. She couldn't. She couldn't because she's so afraid of her she's family. She's such a bad liar. Like, yeah. it's actually embarrassing that she tries to, like, convince people of this. And she thinks that it sounds good. Yeah, she believes it. <laughs> she's like, oh, yeah. Sorry about that. I forgot. It was that day. And those two intruders came in. And the detectives were like, okay, then. We totally believe you. And they're, like, handcuffing her and arresting her. <laughs> They're like, no, bitch, we don't How believe do we you. How do we deal with this? What so do we do? They arrested her. And uh, her main concern wasn't like, oh, fuck, this is serious. And she was like, can I put my face on? Because she knew that she was going to get a mugshot taken. And she, she wanted to do her makeup. She didn't care about anything else. She was like, I got to look pretty for my mugshot. Very vain. Oh, yeah. Her second house placements are coming through <laughs> strong there. Oh, my God. Can I have my one phone call? No. Can I have my mascara? <sighs> she was extradited to Arizona on September 5th. And by September 11th, she had pleaded not guilty to the charge of first degree murder. So that wild intruder story is the story that she stuck to for nearly two years. Allegedly. <laughs> While being held in Maricopa County Jail, she told her cellmate that the plan was to... Murder Mimi, the woman that he was that Travis was going to take to Cancun, but Mimi wasn't there, so she just settled on murdering Travis. Wow, that's alleged. That's what the cellmate said. I wonder if that's true. Who knows? I feel like she wasn't as fixated on the other women as Travis, but she could have been jealous of the other women. But she she mostly just was obsessed with Travis. Yeah. So, and also like who knows? Because she just she. If she, she thought Travis would marry that woman or something, she might have been that angry. Or she just was spicing up the story. I think she, if this is true, if she really did say that to the cellmate, uh, I don't know if it would even be true. Or if maybe like at one point she did think about it. Like, oh, he's dating Mimi. Because Mimi is the one that he started dating in March. Yeah. When uh, Lisa broke up with him. And they travel together. And now he picked someone else to travel with. Exactly. So. He was like, yeah, Jody. Come on to Cancun with me. And then she was like, I'm moving back to California because Psych. you're a dick. And then he was like, I'm going to fuck you. Mimi, you want to go to Cancun? Jody was probably like, God damn it. Meanwhile, Mimi and him weren't even dating anymore. They were just <laughs> friends. But I bet Jody didn't know that. Oh, and even if she knows what it's like to be just friends with Travis. <gasps> so <laughs> she she probably thought, friends I don't believe benefits. that. Oh, actually, that's such a good point because she did tell the detective on that phone interview yeah, you know, we were just friends with benefits, but, like, he was really mean, and he, like, cheated on me, and he, like, shamed me, mm-hmm. and, like, used me. And the detective was like, anyway. She was definitely thinking about it. In the same jail, Maricopa County Jail, Jody was interviewed by Inside Edition, where she stated, no jury is going to convict me, because I am innocent. You can mark my words on that. No jury is going to convict me. And she really believed it. She really, really believed it. So like I had said before, she stuck with that story of the intruders being responsible for like nearly two years. But she finally settled on, okay, you know what? I did kill Travis, but 
but it was in self-defense. Okay? She probably changed it because everyone was like, listen, we don't believe your intruder story. Literally no one believes it. Yeah, it's so dumb. So she claimed that she had been the victim of like domestic violence because Travis was emotionally and physically abusive. So she had to do it. And it was self-defense. And that's, that was the new story she was, she was going with for the trial. In a way, it's like worse than the old story because it just like... You can't just add things on top of each other like and say this intruder thing. And now you're going to say it's this it, like because they're so disproportionate. Yeah, it just doesn't add up properly. And it's offensive to people who are abused. Like, the fuck, Incredibly. Joey? like you're I don't know. Incredibly offensive. And oh, my God, just wait. She she just wait. She hammers home the offensive part of people who really do go through domestic violence. Mm-hmm. So the trial began in Maricopa County Superior Court on December 10th, 2012. For the trial, Jody drastically changed her appearance. She had already dyed her hair brown from blonde, but she claimed that she didn't dye her hair brown. It was her natural color coming through since she didn't have access to hair dye in jail. That's a normal lie people make up. Apparently, if you're a psychopath. So, yeah, I mean, I guess this could be a real lie that people make up. But it doesn't make sense because there's photo evidence of her with brown hair. Mm -hmm. And and testimony from the rental car where they were like, no, she was blonde. It's just that scientifically does not make, come on. And then two days, you have dark hair? No. And you can't say it was jail because that's irrelevant. They gotta to be able to debunk changed. that. Yeah, they they were just like they, it's so like stupid and just it is that doesn't happen to any like it everyone doesn't. knows that you're lying. Like just stop. I don't think she can help it. It's just compulsive. Yeah, it is compulsive. She cannot. She has something there first. Yeah. So like on top of that of the you know uh, lack of hair dye, so now my natural color is coming through. <laughs> She has bangs, and they're like the worst bangs mm-hmm. ever. They're like half-assed bangs. I remember that photo of her in the in the glasses. Yeah, that's Are the next both- thing. She started wearing glasses. She stopped wearing makeup, and she began dressing very conservatively. And I think it was just to kind of make her look more innocent, church-going, and like I heard, I read somewhere someone described her as mousy, and I think that's perfect. <laughs> I forget where I read that. It's definitely in one of my sources, but I was like, she is so mousy. But she was looking. offended, but like also satisfied that she <laughs> she erased her old image. It wasn't even erased. She had no choice, okay? It was gel. The cherry on top. And it's not surprising because, you know, in classic narcissistic fashion, Jody chose to defend herself. Oh my god. She was Ted. A- <laughs> Ted? Ted? Ted, is that you? So she was in over her head the entire time. The final straw was when she accused Travis of being a rapist pedophile and produced, quote unquote, letters written by him, which, quote unquote, proved the accusi- accusations that she was making. But they're found to be fraudulent. All right. I was going to say, what the hell? Where did that come from? Yeah. So when nope. they, they looked at them and they were like, bitch, what? This isn't even real. And she was like, oh, yeah, okay. Um, I need help. Can I get my defense counsel reinstated? 
So she didn't defend herself anymore. So she makes herself look so bad. Yeah, she's because she she's just, not even good at like she's reactive. Yeah, she's like Ooh. compulsive. That didn't, and she thinks like, oh, that didn't work. Um, I personally can just push it out of my mind and not think about it anymore and move on. But everyone else is like, yeah, oh. we're, we're gonna remember that. We remember what happened. Yeah. So, so yeah, she got her defense counsel reinstated, and there's no better place to end part one than on a note where Jody looks like a tool. So be sure to join us next week for part two. We'll get further into the trial, hear from key witnesses and psychologists, talk about what Jody's doing today, and of course, talk astrology along the way. Thank you everyone for tuning in to part one of this fatal attraction. If you like the show, please rate, review, subscribe, follow, you know the drill by now. Be sure to visit our website, darkadaptationpodcast.ca, follow us on Instagram at darkadaptationpodcast, and share the show. Thank you for the support and kind words. Thank you for joining us, Steph, and we'll catch you on the dark side. gross little spider hairs that come out like in spider-man oh my god they zoom in on his gross thumb those spiky yeah. fur things come out <laughs> little grippers grippers there's <laughs> my grippers <laughs> eat your garlic bread bitch put two pieces of garlic bread together you have a sandwich you're welcome Uh, I'm sorry. We're trying to fill the silence, but then she started talking right as I belched. I was like, I can't fix that. (laughs) She's like, okay, let's just start again. Okay, 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 okay. What the hell did I say? I am UM. Yeah, space C O L E I. Ooh. Oh, it means bottom of the sky. Yeah. It's the opposite of the mid heaven. Imam by Imam Coley? It's Latin, so maybe. Yeah, it's, it's an old. Imam Coley. Who knows how to pronounce Here, Latin? I'll, I'll ask Google. <laughs> Pronunciation. Where the afflicted cross is the northern meridian, <laughs> said to represent the deep subconscious. Thank you. Thank you. Let's get the beginning. That was so scary. That was scary. Imam Coley. That's not right. This website's a piece of shit. Imam Coley. See, that's different. That's different what the other girl said. There's a lot of astrology words like that have come across. (laughs) What the hell is that? It's saying, uh, don't know. There's so much old, like, Latin astrology, so. Okay, anyway. I... Sorry, that was not helpful at all. <laughs> Who knows what it is? Apparently, we haven't come up with another word for it yet. You think we would have by now? I just did. It's called Nicola. <laughs> Imam Koli. So I honestly didn't even know what IC ever was. It's also Imam Koli. I think. <laughs> I think it absolutely also. Hmm? Whatever. Imam, <laughs> Imam Coley. What did I say? I come. 
e-com. The next vibrator. <laughs> I think a really... <laughs> it's an app. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, wait. Why are you thinking of the same Judy? person I am? Yeah. Judy and Jody. <laughs> That's pretty weird. <laughs> no, but the sun bleached her hair. She went from on that lesbian cruise ship. <laughs> that was wild. <laughs> that was wild when she showed up. And she's like, "Where'd her husband go? Who knows? Who knows? Where are the ashes?" It's we another true crime we could get into. Discuss the theories of what happened. <laughs> Our whole family. <laughs> Our whole family tree is true crime. It's <laughs> <laughs> sad. It's true. <laughs> not not this fucked up. Everyone, don't worry. That we know of. That we know of. That's right. <laughs> We'll have to get on the ancestry and find out. <laughs> <laughs>